0: There is a picture on my mantelpiece at home. Uh, There are many pictures on my mantelpiece at home, not pictures displayed in uh, picture frames, but instead pictures which are sort of postcards, images that I've taken on my phone and printed up. They're all stored on the mantelpiece. They're not on display, they're stored uh, along with a whole variety of knickknacks basically sort of candle holders uh oil burners um notes to myself they're all stored on the on the mantelpiece um the mantelpiece has order to it but uh they're all stored there and, and the reason they're stored there is because somewhere in my head I think if I just put that thing that means a lot to me there then I know where to go when I need it it's sort of like a filing cabinet without any folders it's a a, the mantelpiece is a strange strange place anyway on the mantelpiece is like I say a series of pictures one centre stage on the mantelpiece is a picture taken of me and the other half when we went to Sweden, uh, we went to Stockholm, we went on a funfair ride thing, and there was this camera that neither of us was expecting to take a picture of us and and it captures a moment that neither of us imagined we'd ever see. Um, and that's both of us on holiday together, very, very happy. Uh, and uh, in addition to that. Uh, there's a picture of Broadcasting House, my workplace, um, which is weird because I see Broadcasting House every single day. I don't understand why I need to have a postcard on there, but but it kind of fills me with pride whenever I see it. Um, and there's also a picture of three people taken last year. Uh, one of which is me and on my left hand side is a lady called Emily and on my right hand side is a lovely chap called Mike and we are all of us happy I don't know Mike and Emily terribly well I went to school with them uh, I, I I don't know them terribly well or I don't feel as though I do uh, but when I look at the picture I just think wow that's happiness everybody's face says that they are in that moment enjoying themselves it is a lovely lovely picture i really really value it uh it is and the reason the reason i value it is because it was so unexpected the picture the company um and also the outcome of that particular meeting. This is all sounding quite quite weird. But but the thing is that the picture was taken at a school reunion um last year. Uh and it was not something I ever imagined that I would ever attend. Uh, it was only a very small school reunion. I think there were maybe ten of us there. Maybe ten of us. Uh, and the thing is the thing about me and school is that um I hated school Because I felt really lonely. I don't want you to feel sorry for me in any way, shape or form. I think, on reflection, I probably made my own loneliness. I am responsible for my own misery at school. But I don't... I never came away from school with any fond memories. I still don't have any fond memories. If anything, I look on the school reunion that we had last year in London and, and think I feel far fonder of that occasion any other events at school uh which is kind of weird um anyway that that picture was um something that had been taken partway through the afternoon we had a meal and then somebody said oh should we go to a pub okay well where where should we go nobody really knew because we we'd ended up going to a restaurant that that somebody had recommended and none of us really knew the area. So we ended up going to a pub around the corner. It had a, it kind of had a garden. Basically, it had a reserved area on the pavement. Um, uh, so we sat out on the pavement <laughs> having drinks and loads of traffic careering down the road. I mean, it wasn't a terribly pleasant area, but... Um, but it was a lovely, lovely afternoon because it was completely unexpected, and this, pac- this picture just captures the moment. And uh, and I was so surprised about how much I enjoyed the afternoon, and uh, and have been subsequently amazed about how that picture sums up the experience. explained all of that, is because uh, this week, Friday the 15th of July, uh, which also happens to be payday, um, is the beginning of the prom season. Now, the prom season, obviously, for somebody like me, is like, oh my god, oh my god, it's the prom. Uh, and the prom stretches out all over the summer, and it's just one concert after another concert after another. You can either, either attend in the hall or... Or you can listen on the radio, or you can watch on the TV, and it's just glorious. It's just glorious. I love it. And uh, the Proms is launched during uh, the late spring, and the weird thing about the launch is that when it's launched, you sort of look at the brochure and think, "Oh God, really?" Uh, and and during the launch, I don't, I don't really get that excited about it. But in the run-up, in the week before the Proms, my God, I was just like. Oh God, it needs to start. It really needs to start. Uh, I don't know what that's about. It's certainly not for this podcast. But it starts on Friday the fifteenth of July, and the day after, on Saturday the sixteenth of July, we are all meeting up again. So those people who attended the reunion last year are meeting up again and there's a bigger group of people coming along now you'd think you'd think that because i i mean i you know when i went along to the reunion last year i i was quite i was in part fascinated because i thought i wonder what it'd be like and at the same time i was absolutely terrified because logic said you didn't you you haven't kept in contact with these people you really haven't and what happens if you sit there and basically you're engaging in conversation with people and and you end up feeling the way you did nearly 30 years ago uh, and you're paying for a meal and and when exactly is the right time for you to be able to go I've really got to go now um, and that didn't happen and so you'd think because that didn't happen last year Uh, You'd think that the forthcoming reunion this year, on Saturday the 16th of July, will be a walk in the park. There won't be any problem whatsoever. Uh, But I am quite nervous. I am quite nervous. In fact, I would say that I am just as nervous as I was this time last year. Um. And there have been moments when I thought, why on earth would I want to go? Why do I want to go to that? Because if I go to it and it it turns out to be as I fear it might be, then it will damage my memory of a really special event, a really special experience that I had last year. And that got me thinking about the first night of the proms. Because the first night of the proms features a performance of Elgar's Cello Concerto. And there are similarities between Elgar's cello concerto and my love of it and my school reunion. Teleconcerto. I'm not going to provide you with many program notes. In fact, I'm probably not going to provide you with any program notes whatsoever. This is more about, uh, it's more, more an illustration, a demonstration of how classical music can represent a period of time it can also represent a mood, an outlook uh and how, if you unpack that it can it can also represent a sort of a weird uh perception of both performer composer um a projection of your own mood, your own emotions it's it's weird that that's why I find classical music sort of three-dimensional and why as I get older I value it more and more and why when I hear people say oh I'm not really very interested in it I just think why not you idiot I mean I would never say that to somebody um, but I would absolutely think it anyway um, the funny thing about Elgar's Cello Concerto is that it's for me it's not it's it's not a fantastic concerto necessarily it doesn't um it it doesn't tick all the boxes there are lots of unanswered questions about it um it's it is a statement rather than a journey it doesn't it you know i don't end it every time and think oh thank goodness for that uh in the same way that perhaps i do when i listen to rachmaninoff's second symphony uh whenever i listen to Rack 2 i just think okay i've started in one place i have absolutely arrived somewhere um elgar's cello concerto doesn't doesn't do that it is more a statement a snapshot of where he was at a particular point in his life where the performer is when they when they're performing it uh, and also me as a listener where i am at that particular point in time when i'm listening to it that's 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 kind of what i'm saying it's it's more of a statement and, and it's uh, i suppose it's more of a coaching session really <laughs> in that in that you're sat in front of a mirror and thinking oh oh i'm thinking that now anyway uh the the other the other slightly interesting thing about uh elgar's cello concerto is a bit like his enigma variations which everyone thinks a bit like the um pomp and circumstance marches is is the epitome of elgar newsflash it's not uh elgar one his first symphony is you know proper elgar um i don't think elgar's cello concerto is proper elgar um you know true core elgar but it is interesting forget the pomp and circumstance marches or enigma variations they are distinctly and unsatisfying for me uh we're sort of almost there with the cello concerto it is a quintessentially english work most people even if they don't realize it recognize excerpts from it uh it is like i say quintessentially english and um And it is, because of that, it is in danger of not being listened to in a careful way. And I think you need to listen to it in a careful way in order to get lots from it. Um, It is rich. It is enigmatic. um, And for me, it is something which has um, something which represents me at different stages in my life that's the other sort of slightly weird thing and because it's quintessentially English that is why it ha- for me that's why it's made a number of appearances at the proms in in the proms 122 year history the Elgar has appeared 55 times um and and that's a lot That is a lot, and the reason it's a lot is because it sells tickets, it is accessible, it is satisfying, Um, and it resonates. For me, um, there is another aspect to Elgar's Concerto which is a, a bittersweet thing, and that is that my first experience of Elgar's cello Concerto is was through a recording made by Jacqueline Dupre, um, which I was introduced to in... 1989. 1989? Yeah, 1989, two years after she had died. And uh, she was, at the time of the recording, she was glamorous. She was uh, a classical music celebrity. Who knew? Who who knew that there were classical music celebrities? There were in the 60s uh, when this recording was made with Sir Adrian Bolt. Uh, and it is the most remarkable thing it is the most remarkable piece of performance when you listen to the way that she plays the music the way she commands the instrument uh, the the sonorities that she extracts from the instrument uh, and the way in which she owns the work uh, it is remarkable it is absolutely remarkable and and the reason I feel confident saying that is because when I listen to loads of other recordings of it, I always feel like oh yeah. Yeah. Doesn't really it's not really like praise, is it? Um And I know that's really unfair. I know it's really, really unfair, but but I always come back to Jacqueline Dupre's recording and just think Wow, how amazing. Of course, that is a bittersweet thing because that means that her recording her performance. She performed it at the proms seven times. No, she appeared at the proms seven times. Uh, and she performed it, I think I'm right in saying six times. Uh, which, I don't know. I don't know that you would see that at the proms now. I don't know that you would see an artist uh, agreeing to in, uh, to return to the Albert Hall as part of the same season and perform the same work. I just don't think that you'd see that now. She appeared in 1960, in 1962, maybe 1960. She certainly did it for five consecutive years. And I just, I can't think of any other artist at the proms who's done that. Uh, and also, as a as an audience goer, I, I, as an audience member, I, I just think, oh, really you're doing this again. Can't you play anything else? So, you you know, you you don't really want to do that. So, you know, she recorded it, and it's a fantastic recording. Uh, and there's also something about her, which, which just feeds into this sort of... Um, the thing, if you like, around her, which is... She's a tragic figure. For me, she is a tragic figure. She was a prodigy. She was um, amazingly talented. She was for me hot housed she was absolutely hot housed Uh, and that's what made her fascinating because she was allowed to flourish in the way uh that she did at that point in time that makes her all the more sort of alluring for me as a as a performer as an individual up in her recording of Elgar's Cello Concerto. It makes it a very complex work, because what that means is, is that when I see Elgar's Cello Concerto on the bill for a concert, for the opening concert, for a really important season for me, I just think, oh, really? Why would... Why would anybody, why would any cellist want to go anywhere near that? Because it must be so difficult. It must be really, really difficult to perform, to even contemplate performing. I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but uh, it's, um, it's a really weird world. Okay. I don't think I suppose unlike unlike the uh, the school reunion I don't think there's any danger that any performer will <clears throat> uh, damage my you know my connection with Dupre's um, Elgar I, do, I just don't I just don't think that um, but it does <laughs> it does make me hesitate it does make me think oh oh you are do- oh, you doing the Elgar oh okay, well, maybe I'll just go out and get a drink it's It's strange, it's really strange, and i at the same time as as really loving the fact that that she grabbed hold of this work um forty years after it had been written and made it her own and made her career i mean it really helped her career uh re- really helped establish her Uh, on the circuit at the same time it's like oh jacqueline you've you've ruined it you've ruined it for me because it means that no other person can can ever play it because they will never live up to what you achieved in a recording that i listened to a couple of years after you died (laughs) I will, of course, go. I will, of course, go to uh, the school reunion because, um, because I'm like most other people in society. I am fascinated. I am fascinated by car crashes, and uh, the, the, for me, there is the potential of a car crash, <laughs> and I'll be there with my notebook and my camera, and I'd capture the moment. Um, but that trepidation, that trepidation that I uh, experience. Attending a bigger school reunion a year after a really special moment, there are there are parallels to be drawn with Elgar's Cello Concerto. Let's hope it goes okay. The concert and the reunion. The Thoroughly Good podcast produced by me, John Jacob. Get in contact by tweeting me at thoroughlygood or send me an email to thoroughlygood at gmail.com.